At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a very special edition of the HHC today. As you know, game days, we've always got your preview. The day after a game, we've always got the review. And when we have a little gap in the schedule like we have today, we always try and bring you a special interview. And today, we've got... One that I think you're going to enjoy. Hornets head coach Steve Clifford, kind enough to sit down with us for the entire half hour. We'll talk about LaMelo Ball. We'll talk about goals for the team, how he sees the roster coming together. Let's get it started. Without further ado, let's welcome back to the Hornets Hivecast, Hornets head coach Steve Clifford. Coach, thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Last time we talked to you, you had just been hired, just been announced, and you talked about your excitement to be back here in Charlotte and to work with this team and how it seemed to you that it was the most offensive talent you would have had the chance to work with as an NBA head coach. But you reserved judgment a little bit. You said you wanted to study the tape, you wanted to get a chance to coach the guys and really get a feel for them as any coach would. Now you've had a chance to study some tape, had a chance to coach them for a couple of games here. How do you evaluate the roster now? I would say it, it it's for sure the most talented offensive uh, roster that I've had as a head coach. You know, so many times, and it's very difficult to do as you're putting a team together, but a lot of times the, the pieces don't always fit. I think one of the things that Mitch and Buzz and, and Michael have done here is they put together a roster that's built to run. A lot of guys who are very versatile players, positional size, guys that can play off the dribble, a lot of shooting. And so it fits together. And there's an old book, this is 10, 12 years ago, called Trade Secrets of the New England Patriots, which a lot of people have read. And one of the things they used to have in 
I think either uh, Pioli's office or Belichick's office was, we're not acquiring talent, we're building a team, you know, which speaks to how teams are put together. And I think that's what they've done such a good job with here. It kind of points towards the offense and how it works together. You talked about, as you took over the job, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. It was already a pretty good offense. It's about making it even more efficient, making it even better, but building on what was already done. The driver of the car is LaMelo Ball and all that he can do, but even when he's not driving, as we've seen already here with a a couple of games now with him being out, it's still a race car. Even though you don't have your world-class driver maybe at the wheel, you still got some very good drivers, and the car still functions. How do you keep that car finely tuned now with a new coaching staff overseeing how things are working and keep the excitement that fans are accustomed to here yeah well i I think first of all like you said is and i'll go back to so this is uh, my third time as a head coach with a with a you know with a new group but i was fortunate in and i went to houston with jeff van gundy and saw what he did transitioning And then I went to Orlando with Stan Van Gundy and saw what he did in transitioning. And one of the things they both did was we spent a lot of time that first summer studying film from the year before. So that we, both of them, and they'd both been successful head coaches in other places, but they took the things that worked for the players and they kept them. You know, things that neither of them had ever done before, not just offensively, but defensively. And here, you know, JB and I are friends. There's so many good things. And it's not just offense. We're doing things here defensively differently than I did it before because the guys are comfortable with it and it fits our personnel. So I think it starts with that, the study, not just me, all the coaches, you know, so that we have a good package for Terry, for Gordon, for Mello, uh, for PJ, of things that they did last year, things that where you're grouping two of your better offensive players or three of your better offensive players together. And then the other part is is that you know you don't want to you don't want to take a step back offensively just to improve the defense. You know, and I think that's the trick is to get to balanced play where we continue to be and hopefully build on a top ten offense, a team that was ninth in offense. And then if we could get the defense to be, you know, say 10 to 12 to 15, those are the teams that are usually playoff type teams and can have a, it can be a factor in the playoffs. So I think all of those things kind of work together. The most important people to believe in everything are, are the people in the building, the guys in the locker room, the guys on the floor. But in terms of fans' attention, might be just the nature of the NBA today, a lot of it's focused on what's new. Who got the big signing? Who got the big acquisition? Who made the big trade? The Hornets roster is relatively the same as compared to last year. Obviously, new draft picks and whatnot, but most of the growth is going to be guys working on their games over the summer and improving and just getting better with age and experience. And also, how you and your staff evaluate players. You've you've talked about it a couple of times, how the way you want to use guys or see things fitting together is going to be different from any other staff. So on those two levels, as you look at this team, guys who have improved and guys you think you would use differently than any other coach would have, who do you think we will expect to see the most growth from over the course of this season in terms of their role on the team? I mean, in a general way, too, I would say this. Regardless of the sport, whenever there's a head coaching change, it's going to be, it's just, it's, I mean, I told the guys this in our opening meeting, it's going to be good for some of you and not good for others. It's just that every coach has things that they value 
all I know is you're going to get a comfort level with some guys, and those guys are going to play more. You know, you need to have confidence in your group, just like you said. They need to have confidence in you and what you're doing. The other part, though, I want to interject because I think this is sometimes, and you know, I talked to a bunch of fans last year being in Brooklyn where I was there as a consultant part-time. This is what people don't get about it. I think everybody views it very much the way you phrased it. You know, who worked on their game, who got better, who got... That's to me, is a big part of it. The bigger part in the NBA, frankly, is how the team functions when they're on the floor. So to me, I'll tell them constantly, are you on top of your individual game, but are you an expert on what we're doing? Because there are a bunch of younger players in our league that can score 13, 14, 15 a night, and the team rarely plays well when they're on the floor. That's one of the things that's changed about the way we're doing basketball in our country from the time they're young to the time they're in high school to the way colleges where they can just, if you don't like the number of shots you get, you just leave, right? And so guys coming into the league not only are younger, I'd say they're more skilled, better better shot creators, better shot makers. The basketball IQ, not even close to what it used to be five years ago, six years ago. And so that's made it challenging with and I'm not shirking your quote with this question because so much of who's going to play better is going to play out here in this next month or so because until you start training camp and you see them in five-on-five situations or who really knows how to practice because the difference in the NBA and other levels, it's not the coaching, it's the age of the players. Real execution in college, and I love college basketball, is not anywhere near what it is in our league. So that's the hardest thing for players. And where most of them view it too, my game, my game, it's a part of it, okay? But I would dare to argue that a bigger part of it is how's the team playing when you're on the floor? And that would bring me to the guy that's made the biggest impact on me so far, and that's Nick Richards. Because he's already taking in summer league what was asked of him, and he's starting to build a way to play that helps his teammates play better. Where? He's a great screener. He's a quick roller. He's a terrific rebounder. He's a very good rim protector, and he can really run. He's a big man who's very bright, has a ton of athletic ability, and he's playing to that. And does he? would he like to shoot threes? Absolutely, okay? But he's understanding already that that can come down the road, but if you want to be on the floor, give us a reason to put you on the floor. You know, uh, one of the things you hear from the younger guys now is, you know, don't put me in a box. Don't limit what I can do. And normally those are the guys that don't reach their potential because they're not doing things that are right for the team. So he would be the guy for me that has stood out so far. But a lot of what you're talking about, that will play out for everybody in this next four, five, six weeks, the first 20, 25 games. I'm PJ Washington of your Charlotte Hornets. Take flight, Buzz City. You're listening to the Hornets Hivecast. Cataracts made it hard to see clearly. Even movies were blurry. So I went to Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. Now movies are as clear and sharp as they once were. 
The doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offer cataract surgery using the newest technology and lenses with short recovery times. See like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Hornets head coach Steve Clifford, our guest today here on the Hornets Hivecast. Coach, let's shift to defense. A major part of your expertise, your reputation in the league, is based around the defensive side of the ball. The team finished 43-39 and last year, but was bottom half defensively. As you look at fixing things, you reflected on it before, it's not fix one, ignore the other, it's everything in tandem. But how do you adjust things on the defensive side of the ball while keeping the offense as finely tuned as possible yeah and that and the challenge is exactly the way you, you laid it out is there are things like to just to give an example is the offensive rebounding part which last year i believe we were 14th and offensive rebounding in our league has become an important facet of the game which it never was before you know so we don't want to lose that those are valuable points especially when you're playing against the better teams And yet the defensive rebound, I mean, the uh, transition defense, you know, we were 27th. So it's hard to beat the good teams with any consistency if you're giving up a ton of fast break points. So what you could do, for instance, is just say we're not going to offensive rebound and get back. You wouldn't even have to be very good at transition defense and you'd be in the top 10. And the problem is, you know, with all of that is it's not going to lead to winning. You know, it's not going to lead to balanced play. And there are four or five other aspects of defense that, you know, we could change, but it would hurt the offense. And that's kind of, to me, is you kind of figure it out as you go. You know, we're starting with a plan. Told the guys from day one we have to be adaptable with certain principles for that very reason. Because I really believe that, again, we're not viewed as a team with a lot of physicality. I don't agree with that. Uh, I think that we're not viewed with a team. And the guys know this where we have a lot of intangibles where when the ball doesn't go in the basket, you know, we continue to fight. I don't see that at all. The more I've been around these guys, I think they badly want to win. I think they're willing to do the tough things, and I think that's going to come out. What are some of those tough things, maybe some of the rules, principles that you're trying to impart on the roster? Well, as much as anything is, there's got to be a physicality piece. So a lot of those areas last year, um, and there were some Great things to build around, but those kind of toughness, physicality, grit kind of things, you know, we weren't as good at. And uh, keeping the ball out of the paint, the defensive rebounding. So we were 28th in allowing drives into the paint. We we're 28th in defensive rebounding. That's more get down, get dirty, you know, extra effort, work together kind of things that if you're not good at, it's, it's, it's hard to win. And yet, you know, I don't see that. I think that we're at the beginning stages here of where, you know, again, once we get going and we get everybody healthy, those are things that we can be very good at. Hearing you talk about it, it kind of reminds me of a scene from the movie Moneyball where they've got the analytics department and they're they're crunching all these numbers and then they get in the room and talk about why they want a certain player. It's a simple thing. He gets on base. When I talk to the players about, you know, how is Cliff changing the defense, I know it's very complicated. I know there's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of homework done into why certain things are the way they are. But you talk to the players and it's simple instructions. How do you boil something that's very complicated, has a lot of moving pieces to it, and a lot of ricochet effects and then try and 
put it into one singular message so that the players can analyze it and put it into practice? I think, like any other job, right, you try to figure out a way that works best for you. And I've worked in college for a bunch of different head coaches, terrific. Uh, my dad was a great high school coach. Obviously, I've been impacted greatly by the Van Gundys. And for me, and maybe it's just I'm not that smart, see, it could be the problem. But for me, the best practices I've ever seen, uh, and you know, I recruited for 15 years where you just jump in a car and you're seeing all these guys, is when coaches talk in a way that it's simple to understand. Instead of, you know, there's guys out there that are super smart and you can watch them in practice and it's super impressive. And then you watch their team play and they don't know what they're doing as well. And so I would say this, people ask me about the Van Gundys all the time, both of them extremely bright guys, obviously with incredible knowledge of the game. And never as an assistant did did I not understand, nor did the players, exactly what they were looking for. So of all the things that I learned from them and from my dad and from my college coach of what I wanted to be is I want there to be clarity. You know, it does have to be simple. And, you know, I think talking to guys in a way so you're not, you know, in this league, playing coach. You know, but trying to help them play better, I think, is the most effective way to go. Coaching goes a long way. All the research, all the time, there's a lot that goes into it. At the end of the day, the the talent on the floor is usually going to dictate how good you can be offensively, how good you can be defensively. You've talked about the goals. You want to be top half, top third, both offensively and defensively. When you measure this team's talent compared to the rest of the league as you observe it, where can they be? Where should they be? offensively and defensively when you simplify it to those two numbers well my thing about that is like i told the guys the first meeting is i don't think that we should put a limit on how good we can be i also don't agree with the pundits you know i know in vegas we're 36 and a half wins um i think we're you know considerably better than that but it all plays out you know what you have to be able to do you know in sport you know in basketball there's such great viewership, you know, with the NBA and in our and our sport is so popular right now. Is when you lose a couple or you win a couple, right? There's all these uh, stories about, and it's always about chemistry and togetherness, and and that's all a big part of it. Spirit, right? But the biggest part of it in any team sport is how well you play. That's what it all comes down to. That's the New England Patriots, right? Do your job, execute, know what you have to do, and don't give possessions away. That was the San Antonio Spurs for years. I'd say more recently, you know, it's been the Warriors, uh, the Heat. Like when you play Miami, whether guys are in or not, they don't give possessions away. They have a way to do things. They're going to do it that way. And they get enough guys on the floor to do it so they give themselves a chance to win every night. And as a coach, that's what you're looking for. When you play 82 games, you've got to get to a game. You have to get to a team game that makes sense, which is balanced play. I mean, that's proven. Nobody can argue with that. If you're really bad at one or the other, you can win enough games to have an okay year. You're not going to have playoff success. It never happens. And so that's something you want to get to. And then you have to try to help create with the players an environment where there's expectations of all of us that we get to a certain level every night. Because teams that can play at a high level 82 times, that's how you win a lot of games. The teams that have great wins and bad losses, you might have talent, but you don't have the right game or the right temperament or the right people, you know, and that's the challenge of the NBA. 
I'm Mason Plumley of your Charlotte Hornets. You're listening to the Hornets Hivecast. Let's fly, Buzz City. As proud members of our community, the Charlotte Hornets Foundation is committed to inspire a giving culture in our region. This is Executive Director Betsy Mack-Rinke inviting you to learn how you can make an impact. Through our Swarm to Serve initiative, the Charlotte Hornets Foundation focuses on education, hunger, military care, and wellness programs. To learn more about how you can help the Charlotte Hornets Foundation and your fellow neighbor, please visit hornets.com foundation today. Hornets head coach Steve Clifford, our guest today here on the Hornets Hivecast. Coach, let's talk about the player all Hornets fans, a lot of NBA fans in general, like to talk about LaMelo Ball. Starting the season on the injured list, frustrating, I know, but as he gets back to full strength, looking at what he's achieved already, all-star at 20, one of the five youngest in NBA history, and the names he joins on that list are all Hall of Famers or will be soon enough, and yet he scored all he did, he did all he did, without taking as many shots as most of the other people who were on his level. When you look at what he can be this season, you just said before, you don't like to put ceilings, but what are your expectations? Where do you think he can go or should go from roughly averaging 20 a game last year? As you know, I'm not going to share, but we have specific things. You know, we have three definitive goals that, that he and I sat down and worked out together. But I think it's, it's a continued progress. You know, in all aspects of his game, you know, before he got hurt, his defense had improved a lot in preseason, which he has spent a lot of time on. I, You know, I'll tell you a quick story is I think it was the third or fourth day of practice. I was in my office at night watching the practice film again. All of a sudden I get a text and he said, do you have all of this stuff written out that we're working on? Because I feel like I'm making too many mistakes and I'd like to have something written down so I could bring it home at night and study it. And uh, which we did. And, you know, he took it the next day. I mean, to me, in a nutshell of what I've found out about him so far is that's a committed player. You know, that's someone who's had success, a good deal of success for someone his age. But who wants to have the big success, the real success, Uh, you know, a first or second or third team all NBA would be a next good step to me for him. And he has the right attitude. You know, he's super coachable. You can't not like him. You know, he has an infectious personality and he's fun to be around. But again, more than anything, he has a love of the game and that you can't teach. And when you're going to play with somebody, college is the same thing. What I learned over years in recruiting is be careful of the guys who you don't see joy when they're on the court, you know, and he has that joy. How fun is it to coach someone who seems to be your equal in terms of that love and passion for the game. You're renowned for being a workaholic. You've talked about that previously, about you know just your dedication to the game and how you almost had to put limits on yourself at one point. LaMelo, similarly, I remember walking by the practice gym. I moved here during the pandemic, and my family was still on the West Coast, so I would stay up late so I could talk to him and take a walk around the city, walk by the practice gym. LaMelo's in there at 11.30 at night sometimes. So what is it like to coach someone who, just like you, is borderline obsessed with the game of basketball. Well, I think that's what it takes. I'll go back to my past here of, you know, Steve Nash. That was Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant. Uh, You know, when I was an assistant, uh, Yao Ming was an incredible worker. The guys we had in Orlando, we went to the finals. You know, Richard Lewis and uh, Jameer Nelson. I think all of the great ones, they do two things. They have a love of the game. 
and they have a plan every day. And I think Mello is very much like that. I was only with Steve Nash one year as an assistant. But when he came in every day, and I've shared this with Mello, Steve had a plan for himself and he had a plan for his teammates. As you could always tell, some days he talked to the younger guys. Sometimes he talked to Kobe. Sometimes he spent time with Dwight or Powell or Meta. But he always had a way to try to help his teammates feel better about things too, win or lose. And he was unique in that way. And I think that, you know, along with that same thing, I'll share a story. Three years ago in Orlando, we were trying to get a player, a free agent, whose whose, uh, agent was B.J. Armstrong. And so they had me call him about the player, and we got into a conversation about Michael. And he said the thing about Michael that was different than anybody else he ever played with was the same thing. Michael always had a plan for that day, whether it was three-point shooting, isos, you know, something about defense, whatever it was. And I think that's what all the great ones have. And I think he's very much in that vein. What are some of the things you notice about him that make him special, that allows him to make it light and fun and have everyone want to be around him and drawn to him? But simultaneously, he's got a plan for what he's doing out there, too. The other thing is this now. He's, he's an A1 competitor. I mean, you know, you don't uh, – if you watch him in game – like, for instance, I'll give you a, I'll give you a stat that, that's good about his defense, right? I mean, much is said about how good can he get to be defensively. I think, one, he's already made really good strides. But, two, he's one of the elite defensive rebounding guards in the NBA. And so there are aspects of defense that you can get good at without a level of toughness of physicality. That would not be one of them. And if you watch him, you know, he's in the fray. When the ball's up in the air, and he's got size, but he gets in there and he'll hit, he'll get hit. Uh, He can get traffic rebounds. And so, you know, he wants to win if you watch him. So I think a lot also at this young age is it's the physicality part, obviously the love of the game. But I also, the one thing that, that I continue to talk to him about, the great ones are always students of the game, all of them. You know, you go back to the to the Michaels uh, documentary, and in Orlando, we actually made an edit for the players to watch because you know that MJ's for that, all those guys is is everything. And almost every clip of that documentary where he was talking to people during games, it was about a coverage, it was about execution, it was about a two man play, about a three man play. It's not you know BS. It's stuff execution stuff, detail stuff, which is the way, by the way, as an owner, he talks to me. I didn't like this. I like this. He knows why. He watches everything very closely. And it's important that all the players, Mello and everybody else, understands that because that's the biggest part of the NBA, I think, that a lot of people don't get. Let's end on this one. Goals for the team. Some teams like to set a benchmark. We want X number of wins. We want to finish at this spot in the standings, and that that helps guide them. Other teams don't like to set numbers, either because the expectations could potentially be overwhelming for a young team or might miss the mark and you're aiming too low. For this team, is there a right way to go about it, either having a set goal that you may or may not want to share, or is it better to leave it open and, and why in either direction? Well, look, I look at it this way is for someone like me, I never take it for granted of the incredible professional experiences been to be involved in the NBA for this long a period of time. So with that being said, it's like any other job, right, is that you can't take the good and not accept the bad. 
All right. So to to say anything less than the NBA is about playoff success, then you're not getting it. Okay. So this is what I told them, and I can share this with you today. Is the first meeting I told them the NBA is about having playoff success. Period. There's nothing else. And without giving a specific goal is I told him, I don't think that we should put a limit on how good we can be. But then here, to me, is my vision of what we all need to have in terms of a shared vision. We have to get to a place, what we talked about before, we're top 10 in offense or defense. Offense would be the better chance. Top 15 in the other, okay? That we come together as a group with a coaching staff, with management, with the team, everybody around the team, where we... We all agree on what work is, what accountability is, and what good team spirit is. And that will allow us to get to a place where we play consistently well every night and gives ourselves a chance to win every time we step on the floor. You got to be able to win and play better. You got to be able to lose and play better. You have to learn from every game. And all that being said comes into one word progress. It's not how good you are early in the year. Okay, it's how good you are in March and April. That's what the best teams do. Okay, some teams move at a quicker rate because, hey, let's face it, there are probably, I don't know, seven, eight, nine teams right now, they're going to be in the playoffs. Okay, unless they just have catastrophic injuries, right? We're not one of those teams. You know, we're a good team. And so for us, we do have to play well 82 times. The opener is important. You know, game 10 is important. It's different for us. And if we can get to that level and have a mentality of getting better and better and better, then we can be a factor. And I think that's a good way to do it. Coach, we appreciate your time so much. I'm lucky to get to talk to you just about every game day and and most practice days as well. But to get to do it in a longer format, spend more time with you, we know that's special. And so we appreciate you joining us here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thanks for the time. Good luck the rest of the season. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. That's going to do it for this edition of the HHC. Thanks again to Hornets head coach Steve Clifford. Thanks to our producer extraordinaire Rob Longo. Thanks most of all to all of you for tuning in today. Tomorrow we're back to game day action. Hornets will be in New York to take on the Knicks and we will of course have our game preview edition of the HHC for you tomorrow. Till then, for everyone here I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta the official eye, ear, nose and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.